sisters as well, inshallah, we can try our best to sit as close as possible to the front part of the masjid. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na ma'allamtana. Wa zidna ilman wa amala. Allahumma nawur qulubna bi'ilmik. Wa istamil abdanana li ta'atik. Wa wafiqna lima tuhibu wa tarda. Min al-qawli wal-amali wal-fi'li wal-niyati يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار أما بعد بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها النبي لما تحرم ما أحل الله لك تبتغي مرضات أزواجك والله غفور رحيم قد فرض الله لكم تحلة أيمانكم والله مولاكم وهو العليم الحكيم وإذ أسر النبي إلى بعض أزواجه حديثا فلما نبأت به وأظهره الله عليه عرف بعضه وأعرض عن بعض فلما نبأها به قالت من أنبأك هذا؟ قال نبأني العليم الخبير إن تتوبا إلى الله فقد صغت قلوبكما وإن تظاهرا عليه فإن الله هو مولاه فإن الله هو مولاه وجبريل وصالح المؤمنين وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ ظَهِيرٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is now beginning in this surah Allah azza wa is addressing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with Ya Yuhan Nabi like many other uh, surahs where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not take the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's name but instead he addresses him through the titles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him in the Qur'an. Be it Nabi, be it Rasul, Messenger, Prophet, as well as other, other many beautiful uh, titles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. So this surah, some have called it surah, is as well known surah al-Tahreem. But another, mean, uh, uh, another name of this surah also mentioned is surah al-Nabi sallallahu Because it begins with Nabi and it is about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa extremely personal life. So once again, as we begin a new surah, well, let's all renew our intention uh, that we are here, I'm here, you all are all, we are all listening, listening with the intention of we are one, one to implement these, the uh, secrets of the Qur'an, the answers that the Qur'an provides for all our problems. This is a beautiful surah, mashallah, that Allah has blessed us to sit together and study. And I pray to Allah Azza wa Jal that He allows out these durus to become extremely beneficial for myself and all who are present and who are listening. Now or later, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us all to find answers to our issues of home, of our homes within the surah. And may He allow us to find solutions to our problems. May He allow us to then implement it immediately within our lives and propagate it to others as well. If we sit with a very beautiful, clean, clear heart and intention, inshallah we will find solutions to lots of our issues. Many people do not realize the power of, of the Qur'an. Repeatedly people say, I need to talk with you. It's a very common thing. I say, come for the tafsir, you'll find answers. 
But he said, no, no, I need to speak to you special one. I said, there's nothing more special than the dars of the Qur'an. There's nothing more. I know nothing about you. I know nothing myself. Everything comes from Allah. You sit with talab, you will find whatever you're looking for. Whatever you're looking for, you will find the answer in the Qur'an. We have to have this conviction. You sit with conviction. But, ya Allah, I am talib. I, you're my matloob. I am a, the one seeking you and you are the one who I'm seeking. Please provide for me. Please provide for me answers. And you'll find inshallah ta'ala answers. Brothers, move forward, please. Let's, ones at the back, let's move forward. Inshallah, there'll be people coming in late. Come, come inside, come sit close as close as possible, inshallah. So those who come later, then they see that everyone is sitting close. Alhamdulillah, they know this is the tartib and the etiquette um, of, of sitting in a majlis. So this surah is a glimpse of the most private life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa It's a sign of Rasulullah sallallahu being a prophet. Because why would someone want to expose what happens? Like right now, I'm coming from home. I would never want whatever happens at home for you to know. Who would want that? But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa his interior life, life of home is being shared with the rest of us, the whole world, till eternity. Why would a person choose that? Why would a person, if he's going to concoct a Qur'an and make up a Qur'an, why would you choose verses that speak about what you've done at home, whether right or wrong? And why would you especially choose to have such a verse in your book in which you are softly being told that, why did you make a mistake by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? When people are reprimanded by someone, they share a story, they leave out, they'll say, yeah, and then someone was yelled at, <laughs> right? Someone got fired. Someone got yelled at. Who actually expresses it that I'm the guy actually who got in trouble? We don't want to share that. So this is the sign of the Qur'an being the book of Allah and not something that Rasulullah wrote himself. Because you'll find in this verse here, as well as other verses, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is lightly prodding the Prophet and asking him, why did you do something? Which, you know, which is not befitting your status. So this is one of those occasions. Number two, we find that our uh, deen, uh, these, deen is not just to be practiced in the masjid for a few hours. Deen, most importantly, is to be practiced at home, which is outside of the masjid. And the majority of our time is to be spent outside. So we need to make sure that the deen is practiced inside and outside. And so this surah tells us how to practice the deen at home. If our life at home comes right, Inshallah, our life in the masjid also come right. Because private life is harder to fix. Public life is easy. Private life is where it becomes challenging. A person, it's very easy to, to uh, have a social media platform where you say nice things and promote people to donate towards good causes and educate people in nice things. It's very easy to have smiling face and to dress up for the camera, right? On a social media platform. What happens is when you... Put your phone away. What type of person are you? When you finish posting on some crisis, a very powerful message, of you, what happens after that? Your true colors, my true colors become apparent. So it is easy to impress people online. But that is useless. Your personality is not what people think of it to be. Your personality is what? Your personality is, subhanAllah, what you are outside of the... Uh, you know, social media realm, social media platform. So this is a reminder of what's going on, a reminder of what to do at home. 
Tatbiqul waq, right? Bring the sunnah of Rasulullah home. Let's see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Rasulullah. He says in Surah Al-Ahzab, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Indeed, you have a beautiful example in the life of the Prophet he didn't say the Prophet ﷺ is a great scholar for you to follow, or he's a great hafiz, or great alim, or great mufti, or great imam. No. Uswa, whoever you are, he is their example. How he interacted with his spouse is an example. How he interacted with his children, grandchildren is an example. How he interacted with the poor and the rich is an example. How he interacted with the women and the men is an example. So every aspect of the Prophet ﷺ is an example. Can we find anyone else besides the Prophet ﷺ who, who can say to his companions that right? Write, whether regardless of my situation, keep on writing. For indeed, even in the state of anger, I only speak the truth. Even in the state and the fit of anger, I only speak the truth. Think about how many times you and I have gotten angry and said things. Maybe it happened today. Maybe it happened an hour ago. Maybe it happened yesterday. We've said things we didn't mean. We've exaggerated the facts. We've misrepresented certain things. We have, Allah forbid, call a curse of someone or curse ourselves, curse our kids which we never wanted to. But in a state of anger, a person says things and does things. Of course, unfortunately, divorcing someone or saying, I hate you, when you really don't. Husbands and wives, parents and children, siblings. Such a normal thing. A person, when he is angry, he is as though he's under the control of Iblis, of Shaitan. And he says things which he later on says, what was I thinking? But it is only the Prophet ﷺ who could have said this. That keep on writing, even if I'm angry, for indeed, only haq and the truth comes out of my tongue. So that Nabi, if he made a mistake, then you understand that that mistake was intentional. It was meant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make such mistakes that will become a means of all of us learning a lesson. Because if even in the state of anger, he's saying, I speak the truth. He doesn't speak anything but the truth. And everything he speaks, not rather, he doesn't speak anything out of his own desire. Hawa. He only speaks based on revelation. Then what's going on over here? That means these were things that were allowed to happen. Mistakes were meant to happen so that we could learn. My friends, no Nabi have ever asked for prophethood for himself. No Nabi did even expect prophethood from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No Nabi worked hard that I'm going to work hard so that I become a Nabi. Allah Azza wa says, وَمَا كُنْتَ تَذْرِي مَا الْكِتَابُ وَلَا الْإِيمَانِ You didn't know what was Qur'an, you didn't know what was Iman. You didn't know any of these things. وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكَ Your right hand couldn't write. Uh, what else? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in multiple places He says that uh, يعني, this is not something وَمَا كُنْتَ تَطْلُوا مِنْ قَبْلِي مِنْ كِتَابُ وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكَ إِذَا لَرْتَابُ الْمُطِلُونَ You were not reading any book before the revelation of the Qur'an, nor were you writing things. Otherwise, those who try to cause chaos and doubt would have used this as an excuse to create doubt within the minds of the people about the Prophet ﷺ's prophethood. So what is prophethood then? It's pure 100% wahhabi. It's pure 100% gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not kasabi, not something you earn. It's 100% a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so hence, that's why all the prophets are ma'soom. They're all protected from major sins and minor sins. It is not possible for a person to believe that a prophet could have committed sins. Because then how does it come and fall in line with the Prophet A or any Prophet, and for sure our Prophet ﷺ being 100% role model for humanity. When is it do you know that he made a major sin here and a minor sin there? How is it that a man can ask people not to commit sins and then does it himself? Doesn't, don't we lose value for a person like that? 
Astaghfirullah. So you see the narrative of other scriptures, the corrupted scriptures that are present today, and uh, which accuse the prophets of doing horrific and horrible, indecent things that an average man today also we would not accept that he would run for office or run for a position having committed such crimes. And they are attributed to the prophets. So you can imagine what is the, what is the future and what is the present of that deen whose belief is that their own prophets have committed or the prophets of God have committed some of the worst hideous sins and crimes. And once again, we thank Allah for Islam. Which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, minan alayhi. That the Qur'an is a security and a guard over all the previous scriptures. That anything that was wrong in the previous scriptures, the Qur'an came and fixed it and set the record. This is right or not right. That is the power of the Qur'an. That this is right or not right. And so, we are blessed to have, been received the, to have received the final revelation that tells us what's right and what's wrong. So now after saying all of this, did prophets make mistakes? They were made, they, mistakes were made, but as I said, they were planned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us to learn. For example, the Prophet ﷺ and the entire army once, they were returning back from a battle, and Rasulullah ﷺ asked Bilal radiallahu anhu to stay guard, to wake them up for Fajr Salah. And the entire army fell asleep. You know, of course, it was a night time, they were coming back very tired. And then sun rose, and the sun hit the, into the eyes of the Prophet ﷺ. He woke up. And he said, Bilal, what's happened? And Bilal responded, Ya Rasulullah, the same Allah who allowed you to fall asleep till, till sunrise, allowed me to fall asleep as well. The same Allah who allowed you to fall asleep through sunrise, allowed me to fall asleep as well. The Prophet and the entire army missed Fajr. And what happened? The Prophet then said, let's go. No, we're not, we're not going to stay here. You know how quickly, yani when you make a mistake, you need to make up for it immediately. But in this case, the Prophet did not want anyone to stay even an extra minute. And he asked everyone to move. Because we've collectively, unfortunately, made a mistake. Even though we didn't do it intentionally. But we've collectively missed our prayer. Or even individually. And when you miss a prayer, even if it's accidentally what happens, there is going to be collateral damage. There's going to be nuhusa. There's going to be that, you know, there's going to be that evil residue of the sin of missing prayer. Even though you may have been too tired, you, put, you slept through all your alarms. But the fact that we missed our prayer, there's evilness to that, nuhusa to that. There's an evil omen around it, if I can call it that. And so Rasulullah did not want the companions to stay there even an extra minute. And he said, let's move from here. Once they traveled a distance, then the Prophet camped again for wudu. And they did wudu, and then they prayed their salah. So this is a huge mistake. It was accidental, of course. But we would not know how to deal with when someone misses a prayer if it wasn't this incident. So through this we learned. So we, once again, the prophets are safe and secure and protected from major and minor sins. Mistakes happen and what are they called? They're called khilaful awla. Khilaful awla means a mistake happens in which the better of the two options was neglected and a lesser of the two, the lesser of the two was taken. Or what we call khata ishtihadi. A mistake in ishtihad. When it comes to anyone besides the prophets, like the awliya, the pious friends of Allah, and the sahaba, we are not going to use the word masoom. Oh, I wanted to remind you, mashallah, since we are starting a new tafsir, I mean new surah, those of us who, who wanted to start just, you know, start writing, well, this is a great time to start doing so. Alhamdulillah, we're at a new, new thing. Yeah, show me this. 
Right? So you, you can get this. When you go outside, I think we probably have it outside too. These are beautiful, nice, uh, you know, Dar es Salaam um, uh, little uh, notebooks here. Alhamdulillah. So if you want to get one of these too, you can get it from outside. Or any other notebook or your own pad, notepad that you're writing in or other whatever gadgets that are there. But try your best to, like we had talked about a couple weeks ago, try your best to take notes. Because it's honestly, when I'm speaking, I forget what I spoke last week. Unless, you know, you ask me, okay, did you say this? Okay, then fine. But it's hard for me to retain. Re- re- I cannot regurgitate whatever I'm saying now. I never can. So, if a person is speaking this issue, imagine if a person is listening to it. Right? How are you going to remember when you're going to go home? There's so many points. You can, you can sit on the, in, in, at home and discuss with your spouse, with your kids. And you can share with your roommates and your classmates and so on at work. So make a habit, not just here, anywhere you go. I am very uh, happy to see that certain students, mashallah, they keep their notebooks in their, in their, in their, in their uh, pocket. Whenever one of us goes up to speak after Salat al-Isha, even for ta'aleem, alhamdulillah, notebooks come out and they take notes. Because there's always, honestly, we always got to learn from each other. Anytime the qala Allah, qala Rasul is being mentioned, a scholar is speaking, a student of knowledge is speaking, 100% I, I, I can learn, you can learn. We all can learn from one another. So if we just have a habit of talab al-ilm, of just trying to seek knowledge, wherever we are, inshallah, we will benefit tremendously. So if, if you haven't started, you know, in the past weeks or months, this is a great time to do so. Okay, where was I? What was the thing? Those of you who are writing, or who are not writing, where did we stop? Yeah, so we're talking about, we were speaking about those who are not prophets. The those who are not prophets. Like awliya and sahaba. What are they? They're not ma'soom. But what are they? What term do we use for them? We use the term mahfuz. We use the term what? Mahfuz. One is ma'soom, one is mahfuz. Ma'soom is the one who is just cannot sin. He won't sin. Okay? Angels do not even have a desire to sin. There's, there's just simply no, not even, that's not even a possibility, an option, no desire. On the other hand, prophets, there is a capacity, but they absolutely don't, which in reality is a higher status. For example, the story of Zulaikha and Yusuf, what does he say? Uh, she was inclined towards him, and he, he could have been inclined towards her. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not strengthen him. Huh? So that tells us that a prophet could possibly, there is imkan, but it will never happen. So this in reality is more virtuous than the angel. Why? For example, I have an opportunity, there's hundreds of dollars here, and you left the room, and my hands are untied, and I could sit there, and without you would never even know how many, I could just take one. And there's another person who's got his hands tied. And which one's virtuous? More virtuous. The one who, whose hands are tied and he didn't steal? Or the ones whose hands were untied and he didn't steal? Naturally, the one whose hands untied because he had the capacity to do so, yet he didn't. So the prophets are masoom, that they are absolutely protected, although there is a possibility, human capacity to sin, but they never do from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where do we learn this? We learn this. Where did the word masoom come from? From the word in Surah Yusuf, fasta'asam. Fasta'asam. So then he remained protected. Ista'asama from Surah Yusuf. That's where the whole concept of isma comes in. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects. Where does this word comes? In the story of Nuh alayhi salam. When his son was drowning. What did he say? La'asim al-yawma min amrillahi la rahim There's no one who can protect anyone today who's going to be drowning besides the one who Allah has mercy upon. The other word is mahfuz, 
which means a majority of the time this person will not be involved in sin and you could say almost never in major sins the sahaba the awliya small mistakes can happen sins can happen but of course for the sahaba we have radiyallahu anhum wa radwan allah is already pleased with them they're going to be pleased with what allah has prepared for them so they are forgiven based on whatever they've done a person who comes after them wali of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we're not going to call him masum whether it's abu hanifa or anyone you know you know anyone else from Imam Ghazali to the Imam Razi to any tafsir or any scholar you used to talk about, awliya, we're going to say that these are not masum, but we're going to say the word mahfuz, right? That they are majority of the time not falling into sin. So now, once you've understood that, now you see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is correcting his Nabi. But before he corrects his Nabi, um, how he addresses him, Ya Yuhan Nabi, O Prophet. Lima tuharrimu. Why do you prohibit yourself from what? Ahallallahu lak. Allah has made lawful for you. Ahalla means what Allah has made lawful for you. Are you doing this? Tabtagi mardata azwajik. Are you doing this in order to ibtaga yabtagi to attain, to desire? Mardat, pleasure, happiness. Azwajika of your wives. Did you make something which was already halal by Allah? Did you make it haram? in order to attain the good pleasure of your wives. Wallahu ghafur rahim. Allah is all forgiving, all mercy giving. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is correcting His Nabi. But look at, look at how He corrects him. We said there's not a single place in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya Muhammad. No Ya Muhammad. Ya Isa is there. Ya Adam is there. Ya Ibrahim is there. Ya Nuh is there. All these prophets are said, Ya. But there's not a single place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya Muhammad. Only four places the Prophet Sallallahu name has been mentioned. And that was because it was a very important point to deliver. Muhammad is not but a prophet. That was a very, you, can, you, can, you have to make it very clear what we're speaking about here. Muhammadur Rasulullah. Muhammad is a messenger of Allah, etc. So there's four places. Besides that, everywhere Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has used some sort of laqab, some sort of title. Like Allah Azza wa Jal. Here, now before he gets upset, He's already using a beautiful title of Nabi. Alright. Number two, how does, he, how does he end the ayah? Wallahu ghafoorur rahim. Allah is all forgiving, all mercy giving. You see this? How is parentheses? He's addressing him through a beautiful label of Nabi. And he's also at the end also mentioning that he's all forgiving and all merciful. So it, this is what you call a slight tap that this was a mistake. But before you can get yourself to thinking something and you, you, you Rasulullah Allah Azza wa Jal it's as though Allah Azza wa Jal does not want the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to get too stressed out it's like Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in Surah Tawbah Allahu Ank Allah has already forgiven you why did you give permission to the people of Tabuk Munafiqun who did not want to participate so Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala already mentioned you've already been forgiven and then he says why did you give permission right so this is if you can say the etiquette of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa I want to do a little um, side note here. Beloved friends, we live in a very, you know, a certain type of hip culture, right? That hip culture, this new generation of speaking, the way people speak, the way parents speak to the kids, the way kids speak to parents, the way husbands and wives speak to each other, is very different from the previous generation. Very different. It's very loose. What we say, you know, very free. They're, it's not formal by any means, Correct? There's no formality. And to the extent that it then, in the absence of formality, which in certain, ex- certain ex- uh, you know, instances is good, but then it becomes disrespectful. 
And so the lingo on the street is, you know, very disrespectful, but that's what the kids speak like. So now, if we want to connect with the kids, we need to understand that, yes, we need to connect with them. But in the process of trying to connect with the kids, we cannot ourselves lose our etiquette. We instead have to... Humility is something else. Humility knows no bounds. But you cannot lose your etiquette. If Allah forbids someone... I'll give you an example. A bunch of people are smoking. A scholar is going to come sit down and give them advice. A bunch of people smoking weed. But this happens. Okay, we got to give da'wah to everyone. Whether he smokes weed, whether he drinks alcohol, he's part of, part of the ummah of Rasulullah But imagine if a person says, man, I come with my turban, big toe, kurta. These guys are not going to listen. Give me one joint also. And we speak. Right? Let's all be high and talk. Then subhanAllah, you can understand me better. I'm sure they will love that, Shaykh. But like, wait, hold on. To what degree are you trying to try to win over your audience? To what degree are you going to try to win over the audience that if they're all smoking, you say also, let me join you. Let me take a joint. What is, it? What, what is this? But that's where, unfortunately, we're being expected to go. That the ulama are being brought down and degraded to the level of the... To not just average person. No, no. People are involved in major sins. And people are told, no, you need to come down to their level. What do you mean come down to the level? Brother, if you want to use my turban also to wash yourself here, use your turban, wash your hands with it, dry your hands with it. We can do anything. Nabi Wasallam would, would honor people by giving his choicest spot for people to sit. You know Rasulullah took his shirt and put it on the munafiq, the head of the munafiqeen, Abdullah bin Ubay bin, I mean, Ubay bin Salul. He wrapped him up, he gave him a shirt to put in the grave. Ra'isul munafiqeen. You can do that. But you cannot change the way, that you cannot become, you know what we call disrespectful and lowly in your etiquette or involve yourself in major sins just so that people feel comfortable. It's a very important point here I'm, I'm mentioning here. Because this is an expectation from ulama that they need to change the way they address, the way they talk, etc. So that people connect with them. And definitely with little kids you got to speak in their lingo. But you cannot become, my key thing don't become disrespectful. Why I'm saying this? It's because just a few days ago, I heard a Juma Khatib giving khutbah somewhere. And in the khutbah, he's speaking about the wives of the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ is a story. But one word he used, when I was just walking by, it just stuck with me. I said, what? What did I just hear? A khatib speaking to the audience in Juma. He says, and then the Prophet's wife roasted him. And I said, I was like, well, what, did, what did I just hear? Roasted? You know what type of word this is? SubhanAllah. Just so that, and of course he was using all this type of lingo to connect with the youth. But the, the, to use such a word of, of absolute, you know, uh, free, casual terms when someone makes fun of someone, you know, and you use the roasting in the marriages when they, they, they roast their, you know, the groom or classmates do it to each other, sarcastically go heading at each other. To use this type of word for Rasulullah that his wives are doing this to him. Imagine if that person would have never said the Prophet roasted his wife. Because all of a sudden everyone, the, the, you know, the one big section of the community would stand up and say, what? A'udhu Billah. You know, how could he roast his wife? But it's the other way around. Huh? So the, the, pro, the man can be on the receiving end of a roast, but it can't be the woman, especially if it's coming from, from, a, from a Muslim uh, ideal individual. So that's, a, that's another point. But second point is, how do we use this word? Roast for the Prophet ﷺ. I remember one time I was in a masjid that has a certain yani, a brothers of more of the Barilvi tradition. And in the khutbah, this is 15 years ago, I used that the Prophet ﷺ, in, in after you know he was instead of using properly the word exiled I used the word kicked out from Mecca well I almost got kicked out of the masjid right 
<laughs> and they were in the give fatwa of almost like literally kufr that you are gustakhi rasul you've disrespected the prophet sallallahu alaihi and i tried to explain to the brother who who didn't really know english was not his language that listen man kick out does not actually is not a disrespect word people get kicked out of a university people get kicked out of that it's it was fine you know go check it up in dictionary but then he's like no the word the word kick lat mara apne huzur ko lat marte you know what i mean so now, I, now in hindsight i appreciate that ghayra for the prophet sallallahu I've never used that word again. I've been much more careful. That was a long time ago. But I've been more careful and I understand that this type of ghayrah is beautiful. Why not? The, the, the more refined words you use for the Prophet the better. Even if you are describing what the kuffar did to him. So when we are describing what, the relationship between the wives and the Prophet please be careful. Look at Nabi. Allah is speaking to his Prophet, guy, brothers. Look at how he's speaking. He starts off with Nabi and he starts out with Allahu Ghafoorur Rahim. And in the middle, he slightly taps him, if I can use that word. And to the extent Aisha tells her husband, it seems in Allah, it seems that indeed Allah, Allah literally translates with Allah is trying to please you all the time. Why does it seem to me that Allah is always seeming to trying to please you? Because the revelations, they're hard, fine, this thing. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, He says, We indeed, Allah is saying, Indeed, we see you constantly looking up into the heavens, waiting for revelation, no problem. Now indeed, we will change the qibla to the qibla that you want. Right? And many other instances like this. She says, It seems like your Lord is always trying to please you. Subhanallah. So we have to be careful. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say in the Quran? He says, Do not call out to the Prophet the way you call out to each other. He's not one of you. He's not one of our guys. No, no, no. Uh-uh. You can't speak to him the way you speak to each other. Watch your language. Don't treat him the way you treat one. Allah is telling the Sahaba. Allah is telling the Sahaba would give every, everything for him. So be careful. Watch your language when you address the Prophet wasallam. And another place in Surah Hujrat, لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي. Do not do not allow your voice to be louder than the voice of the Prophet. Is it just bad etiquette? Like, oh, you're gonna reprimand me? No, no, I'm not gonna even reprimand you. What's gonna happen? If you don't watch, then ولا تجرؤوا بالقول. Do not speak to him loudly, brother. What's your name? How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Excited? Don't speak to your Prophet like that. No, no high fives. No big bear hugs, right? None of that stuff. Watch, he's your prophet. Just because he mingles with you like in a manner that you can't tell who's a prophet does not mean you treat him like anyone else. Well, that's his humility. That is his humility. He never wanted to separate himself from the rest. But do not take, mis- do not take advantage of that humility. That's his humility. That's his barapan. That's his greatness that he lowers himself to that degree. But you better be careful. To the extent, if you speak to him loudly, in the same tone that you speak to each other, you're not going to receive a big message from someone. You're not going to get called out by someone. No. Without you knowing, without you knowing, I will literally nullify all your good deeds. One instance like this, you'll have zero. You come to the akhirah, no hajj, no zakat, no salah, no psalm. What? 60, 70 years of ibadah, zero. Yes, because you raised your voice once to the Prophet. And you're not going to even know about it until it's too late. You're going to find out in the grave or on the day of judgment. This is what the Quran is saying. So, disrespect of the Prophet is a very serious crime. 
and it's just like, well, I was just being, I was just being, I was just being myself, man. We're in, you know, I'm just talking the way. No, 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 you can't do that. So this is the issue we're having now in our community. TikTok generation, whatnot. It's all about connecting with the generation, the new generation. Like someone said, this new generation, there was an article, big article someone shared with me, how to commu- effective communication. Long PowerPoint. I said, okay, what is the khulasa of this PowerPoint, man? You know, this is so long PowerPoint. This is something worth reading in how to communicate with this latest generation, you know? This new generation. Z, X, Y, Z, L, B, I don't know what it is after that, you know? Because now if you're already at Z, the only thing left, where do we start? You know, where do you go after that? But subhanAllah, it just says, this generation... Um, the way to communicate with them is you simply listen to them. That's it. You don't communicate. You just listen. But just listen. <laughs> That's what he said. The whole of this presentation was this generation. You just listen. So this effort of trying to connect with the youth is great, but we cannot try to bring Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu and present them as some cartoon characters. And we should never speak about the seerah in a manner. That we are doing you know, tahdir, we're bringing the past, tahdir al madhi al waqir. We're trying to bring the past to the present. And in the matter of that, we add these type of statements that we speak with each other. So, this is hopefully some, inshallah, beneficial advice that maybe you may have noticed yourself and didn't think about it. But this is something that's been going on and all over through this, you know, online TikTok, this, that. People are becoming too carefree. When speaking about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when speaking about the wives, wives of Rasulullah, when you speak about the Sahaba, you just, you gotta be careful who you're speaking about, right? This is, these are, don't, because of that same level of carefreeness, now that comes home. And people speak to their parents, speak to their dads and moms in that same manner. And this happens in most homes. And the thing is, parents have given up. Or I don't even know if they've given up. They've just kind of, like, I guess, just accepted the reality that. I guess dad and the, you know, the guy who fills up, who gives, fills up your cup of coffee is the same relationship. You can treat anyone and speak to anyone in the same manner. So uh, we're going to pay the price for this, honestly, because of this level of uh, not disciplining and not sharing um, what the proper guidance to our kids. They don't know any better. They don't know any better. Everywhere I go, alhamdulillah, I see people are so respectful. Like, I mean, when I correct them. Like, I go in a gathering. I just remember last week, I was at a fajr. As soon as the fajr namaz finished, everyone in the wall. Everyone in the wall. I said, what's going on, brothers? You know, what are you all doing? Come back. We're going to have the dars over here, not over there. What is this? Everyone went against the wall. Alhamdulillah. Immediately, people, anywhere you go, universities, masjids, etc. I said, this is the gathering of Adam. This is how we're going to do. And people listen. The reason why they're not, why they weren't following the etiquette is simply because no one taught them. They're kids, they'll stop coming. No, that's in your mindset. That's your mindset. This is your fault that you didn't teach them. Why didn't you teach them to long? You're an imam for so many years. Why didn't you teach them to long? Right? So this, is, this whole concept of bringing ourselves down to the people is actually harming us. We should take the people up. Come down and push them up. That's how we're going to grow. Let people grow because we're not growing like this. Even the person who has etiquette, he's throwing his etiquette out, he's getting into the ditch. Chalo, let me sit with my shorts and banyan. Or me shirtless and shorts. Let's sit down and talk about the deen. By the guy who's wearing shorts, he doesn't have banyan, you gotta give him a shirt. Gotta kurta. Come, ajabai. Come, come, get out of the ditch and come to the masjid. But no, we're flipping it. We're going inside the ditch from the masjid, throwing out everything and saying, no, we gotta connect with the people. How is this gonna work? Are you following me? So there is hikmah and wisdom how we go about doing things. But please do not lose whatever etiquette, mashallah, you have. What is the background of this revelation of this surah? There are multiple um, uh, stories mentioned. One of them is Hafsa radiallahu anha took permission to go home. And she came back 
and she found the Prophet ﷺ had Maria Qibtiya with her. And so she, uh, when Maria Qibtiya left, the Prophet ﷺ, she told the Prophet ﷺ, I know who was with you. And the natural jealousy of a wife came in. And so the Prophet, and she was upset. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to make Hafsa anha happy. And he said, okay, I make her haram upon myself. Even though she was uh, halal for him. But he said, no problem. I will, I will never go to Maria Qibtiya again. Or she'll never come here. And uh, he told her, this is between you and me a secret. Don't tell anyone. He told his wife. Because I'm doing it to please you. And of course, Maria Qibtiya was halal for him. But he made her haram upon himself in order to gain the pleasure of his spouse. What did she do? She went and she told Aisha radiallahu anha that can you imagine what happened? This is what happened. I said, what happened? What happened? He says, oh, the Prophet ﷺ, subhanAllah, we were like, I'm, I'm really up there now. He actually made something which was halal. He made haram upon himself just to please me. Really? To please you? So now they started talking. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then informed the Prophet ﷺ that you, why did you, first of all, why did you do this? Number two, do you know that your wife, who you told us to not share the secret, she went and shared the secret. And now they're going to start talking. And other things will happen. So, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then informed him and then he went in, to, he called Hafsa and says, uh, 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 did you tell this to Aisha? And so she obviously thought, wait, hold on, Aisha is my best friend. She would not have told him. How did this happen? And so he said, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed me, but this is what was going on, that you went in, spoke to her about this. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, this is something not allowed. Something which was halal, you cannot make it haram upon yourself, even if it means to please your wife. Just like something which is haram, you cannot make it halal upon yourself to please someone, even if it be your wife. So now you are going to have to give a kafara for that. So, tahlilul yameen. Yameen is an oath. You say, Wallahi, I'm not going to do something. If you give, if you say, some, you know, uh, if you give kafara, like an atonement, before you break it, that's called tahlil. And if you give the atonement after you break it, it's called kafara. What do I mean by that? If someone in a fit of anger says, Wallahi, I'm not going to visit my sister again because of what she said to me. Then he realizes, man, that was not good. The next day, how can I say that? This is wrong. So then he should give his kafara, feed 10, ten people, give t- 10 meals, 10 full meals to 10 poor people, or, or give them clothing, and then go ahead and visit his sister. Or else, he went and visited his sister already, but then because he took an oath, he has to still pay that amount, and that's going to be called kafara. Okay. So the hadith teaches us That if you take an oath of not doing something Which was actually good Then forget the oath Go ahead and do it And pay the price for it Pay the fidya, pay the kafara right? uh, Pay your way through it, feed the people Because you made a mistake But don't say I said wallahi so I can't do that So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted him to then Of course do the uh, you know, kafara Or, or, or tahlil yameen Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How did he How did Maria Allah Azza wa Jal Made her halal Al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He says Wallahi inni la arju An akun akhshakum lillah Wa a'lamukum bima attaqi Wallahi I hope And I expect That I am the one Who fears Allah the most And I am the most knowledgeable Of what to Stay away from And how to stay Have taqwa within me So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He was given this Ijazah To have more than four wives and he was given the ijazah to have these, the concubine as well. So, 
as it's mentioned in a hadith, three people came to the Prophet and they said, how did the Prophet worship Allah? So when they were told that how his, how his, daily, um, his daily activities were, they regarded the Prophet ibadah as not that high. <laughs> right? Not that, they're not that too much. It's like, man, really? I mean, he's a Nabi, I guess we expected more. SubhanAllah. So, uh, so then they said, You know what? If the Prophet ﷺ is doing that, it's okay because he's already forgiven. We are sinners. We have to do a lot more. So one of them said, Okay, fine. The Prophet ﷺ, he rests at night. I'm not going to rest. I'm going to stay awake. I'm going to pray the entire night. The other person says, The Prophet ﷺ, he, he fasts, but he also breaks his fast. So you know what? That's it. I, since I'm a sinner, I'm going to never break my fast. Continuously, every single day, I'm going to fast. Just of course do iftar, but just continue to fast every day. Third one said, I'm never going to get married. I'm going to stay away from women. The Prophet ﷺ had women. No, I'm not going to do that. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he heard them, he said, did you all say this? And they said, yes. And so then the Prophet ﷺ said, Wallahi, inni lillah. I swear by Allah, indeed, I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than anyone. And I have the most taqwa. But look at my life. Asumu wa uftir, I fast and I break my fast. Usalli wa arqud, I pray and I sleep. And then I get married. Whoever turns away from my sunnah, he's not from amongst me. Dear friends, interesting thing is that to become a wali of Allah and to become a friend of Allah, there are many ways. But one of the ulama was sharing that the tariqah of nubuwa, if you want to become a wali following the, st- the method of the prophets, then that is by having a so called normal life. Meaning, get married. Have kids, have a job, have responsibilities, all of those things. That's how the Anbiya got close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when you get married, and you have children, and you have a job, all of those added responsibility definitely creates a lot of stress. And creates a lot of issues. And this is what Allah wants to see. How do you worship Him in the midst of all of the stress? If you were to become a monk, it's easy. Yeah, you, see, you have no, no issues with people. Marriage is not an easy game. And definitely raising kids is not an easy game. It's very stressful. So in, a, in light of all of that, if a person is worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're following the footsteps of the prophets. Got it? If you're following the footsteps of the prophets. So this is something not as a burden, but rather this is something actually matloob and desired from us to do these things. So this is, getting married is definitely part of our, our deen. And my brothers, why is there marriage there? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put an internal need in every male and female for each other, a biological need. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instituted the uh, institution of nikah. So those people who think that I am not prone to falling into sin, that's why I can freely mingle with anyone and everyone of all ages and sizes, all over the place, all the time, in seclusion and without seclusion, and private and public, because I'm different. We are going against not only the anatomy and the biology of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us, but also against the expectations that Allah has placed for us. Because Allah expects us to be having an attraction to the opposite gender. That's expected. That's meant to be there. If it was not there, no one honestly would want to get married. Because it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of burden. There's loads of issues that come with it. But it is that need for a child or need to have someone in your life, those biological, emotional needs that are connected with both men and women that force people 
to be attracted to one another and then mashallah marriages happen kids happen and so forth so this is we should not be deceiving ourselves to thinking that I am free and above all desire and want I'm, I'm special no my friend no one is special if there was anyone who was special it would have been the Prophet ﷺ in that regard but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him the most complete human being and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created within him also a connection with women right so that's just something uh, honestly to food for thought for us to think about our relationships also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does He say? قَدْ فَرَضَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ Allah has already sanctioned a way for you, O believers, to absolve yourself from the oaths. Tahilla comes from the word halal. Halal. Halal ho jai. You know, ihram may say halal ho jai. Become halal from your ihram. What does that mean? Open up your ihram. So, yameen ayman means an oath. There is different types of oaths. So this oath, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you can become halal from the oath. Absolve yourself. This is not something for the Prophet only. This is for all of us. That you can become, get out of these oaths if you get stuck in it. Okay? There is one oath, which is what I told you about oath of what to do in the future. Wallahi, I will never visit so and so. Wallahi, I will not do this. So you, you should become halal from there. But then there is another oath, which is called Yaminul Ghamus. You've heard of that? Yamin al-Ghamus Yamin al-Ghamus is where a person says Wallahi, I, will nev- I didn't do this Did you do this? Wallahi, I didn't do it Now you are standing up and taking an oath In the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Saying about something that you did That you didn't do Or you stand up and say about someone else I swear he did not do this Astaghfirullah This is such a major sin Such a major sin in court What happens? If you claim that this, uh, this, 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 this car belongs to you Or this keys belongs to you Or this money, wallet belongs to you Whatever the case This property belongs to you You're claiming it, bring the proof And the other person If he doesn't have a proof That it also belongs to him Because if he has proof Then we gotta go study both proofs And to see which one's more authentic but say he doesn't have a proof. He says, man, well, I, I'm an or- it was passed down from my mom and dad. Or I was an orphan. It was, you know, this is, I know this is mine. Etc. Whatever it may be. What is his proof? <clears throat> the one who says he's lying. He's a claimant. He's making a false claim against my property. What does he do? al yamin He takes an oath. That's it. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. I bear witness. I swear by Allah. In the name of Allah that this thing belongs 100% to me. And I swear by Allah he's lying. Okay, that's it. Because that has so much value in Islam that if you have an iota of iman, you will never take an oath of, with, on Allah's name falsely. The Prophet ﷺ, when he talked about what are the major sins, he said, Al-Ishraqu Billah. Number one, two, ascribe partners to Allah. Then they said, What? The Prophet ﷺ said, Shahadatu Zur. False testimony like this. Wallahi, this didn't happen. Wallahi, that happened. Wallahi, this belongs to me. Wallahi, doesn't belong to him. XYZ, these type of things. Shahadatu Zur. False testimony. Then what? False testimony. Then what? False testimony. He, he was leaning against the wall. He sat up to emphasize that this is not a joke. That's why some ulama have said that a person who gives false testimony in court or even, even in front of the ustad, in front of the parents, Wallahi, this happened, he should renew his iman. He should renew his iman. This is borderline, or if not already, according to some, kufr. That a person takes Allah's name and lies. That's what a Muslim society is supposed to be about. That we are so connected with Allah that you can never imagine a person, a Muslim, could take Allah's name falsely. But where do we stand today? Allahu Akbar. I have witnessed this. People, two people holding the Quran 
and same thing. And you know one of the two is wrong. It's so sad to watch that. Right? Two people holding the Quran and claiming XYZ things. Marriage issues, divorce issues, property issues, astaghfirullah And some people have so much jura, they just grab the Quran. I remember one case, someone said, just grab the Quran. The other person said, you know, I, I would never grab the Quran because I'm like, this is, I'm not, this is not an issue to an extent that I would take Allah's book and put my hand on it. But he said, looking at the other person grabbing the Quran, I started shivering. That my God, how is this person going to face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment? Which I know 100% is lying. But they're just, there's, no, there's no fear. Just grab the Quran. Over petty issues. Even for a big issue, you cannot. Just simply refrain from taking an oath. But my dear brothers and sisters, please teach yourselves this, teach your children this, let's, let me teach myself this. Wallahi, we can never, 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 never take Allah's name in vain. Never take Allah's name falsely. Never put your hand on the Quran with the fault. It's not worth it. I promise you it's not worth it. You think a million, two million is at stake? You think this, the house is at stake, property is at stake? What we will face on the day of judgment for this false oath, Allah knows best. Because this is mentioned right after shirk. As I said, some people say even renew the iman if you've taken a false oath. So that's called Yamin al-Ghamus. What does Ghamasa mean? Ghamasa means to dive in. Okay? Dive. Why do you think? Anyone want to take a guess? Why is it called Yamin al-Ghamus? Why is the word diving used here? Exactly. A person who says this, he's, gonna, he's diving himself into the fire of Jahannam. He's jumping into the depth of hellfire. That's why it's called Yamin al-Ghamus. And the entire system of our justice system depends upon honesty and integrity. That's why justice system across the Muslim world is just falling apart. From top to bottom, everywhere is thieves. From top to bottom, everywhere. From the leaders, Supreme Court, to presidents, prime ministers, to the average guy selling milk on the street. Until you do not have honesty and justice and, and in our hearts, we cannot run anything. This is the most important thing for us to teach our children. And we cannot teach our children what we do not have. We cannot teach our children what we cannot have. If we do not, if we are so light in lying, who you think our kids are not watching? What's gonna happen? May Allah forgive any all of us dads and moms forever, ever, Allah forbid. Hi, hi. You know, to lead, not leading by example. And to lie in front of our kids and teaching them this is how you do it. They are parents, honestly, you do stuff like this. They literally teach your kids how to lie. Liar to your teacher, lie to your lie to your the other parent, lie to this, lie to that. You know, sometimes moms will tell the kids, Oh, when dad comes back, don't tell him we did this. Just tell it. Well, but what do you asked? Oh, just say something else. You know, because oh, you don't want him to this is what's happening when mom and dad are not on the same page. Big problem. The dad wants to follow the deen, wants his daughters and sons to follow the deen, the mom is not following the deen herself. So then she tells the kids to do whatever they want and then just teaches them how to lie and cover it up. Cannot imagine, or the same thing, the dad doing it and the mom is, follows the deen and the dad doesn't care. Both ways. This is like the zulm azim, a massive oppression on the kids to teach them how to lie and to cover up their sins. So we should always, always go back to the basic principles of what our parents taught us, inshallah, long time ago. Teach this to our children that whatever happens, speak the truth. And that's why don't push people into lying. Another very important point. Don't push your kids into lying. If you say, if you feel like, okay, he's under pressure, and now you're gonna, if you say, who did it, who did it? And he's gonna lie, then just back off. Say, okay, I'm not gonna speak about this right now. We'll wait. Because you, once a person lies, by, I know this, I'm telling you this. I, meet, I do counseling, I meet all sorts of people. They're 40 years old, 35 years old. The wives call me, you know, husband got caught with this, that, that. I remember one case. <laughs> 
And I was, I was like, okay, did you do this or you didn't? He's the guy's like, no, I didn't. I said, okay, fine, let me try to help you. And then an hour in, you know, he told me, no, he actually did, messed up. I got really mad. I'm like, I'm giving you my time. I'm investing so much time in your marriage. And now you're lying to me as well. What a, like, seriously, what's wrong with you? Then he broke down crying. And he's like, you know what? I realized I've been lying since sixth grade. I'm now, you know, in late 30s and whatnot, but I've been lying through my whole life. And he started repeating to me all these things. That, that's how I lied first time in sixth grade. Then seventh, I did this. I, eighth, I got caught with that. Ninth, I got caught with that. And then he's like, he started crying. He's broke down. He's like, I am a liar. That's who I am. I've never had this realization until now that I have lied throughout my whole life and got away with it. You see what I'm saying? It, you know, it will eventually catch up to you. Al-kithbu yuhlik. As Rasulullah said, As-sidqu yunji wal-kithbu yuhlik. That speaking the truth will definitely get you out. Yunji! The Prophet is not lying. He said, Yunji, it will give you salvation. You're like, oh, pakaraya, I'm caught. No, just watch. You'd rather get caught here, but to, the next, next one, you'll, you, they'll let you go. Just speak the truth, man. Just speak the truth. Truth will definitely prevail. And speaking the lie, yuhlik is dist- will destroy you. You think you, 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 you evaded authorities now. You evaded your mom and dad right now. But you will eventually, it will catch up to you. What is the story of Yusuf and Zulaikha? We're referring to it again today. What happened over there? Al-Ana? Huh? Alana has has al Alright? Now at last the truth. Tens of tens of years, Yusuf was riding in the dungeons. It took a long time. How much oppression he went through. How he must, his body must have withered away, little young man, in that jail, in dark dungeon. It took many years, but eventually the truth became apparent that he was the one who was innocent and she was the one who had caused all this, right? It happens. So the truth will always prevail. Just, just make sure you're on the right side of history. And do not budge based on what people push you to do so. So what I was saying is that do not push people into a corner where they are forced to because of their natural instinct of trying to keep their face and not be disgraced. We all have that, right? We all have that. We all want to be respected. We would never, none of us would want to be, you know, disgraced in front of these people. So if you call someone like this in front of a hundred people in public and say, did you do this? What is the guy going to say? Or why put him in a situation where he's going to end up having to lie? So this is something we should not do to anyone and definitely not do to our children. If you see it's going the wrong way and he's going to end up slipping, then back away and say, we'll talk about this later on. Why? Because once a child learns how to lie, he will continue to lie throughout his life. And he will realize, ah, yeah, to see, achha, achha game sikh liya, I learned a good game. By lying, I got away. So let me try this again and try this again. Our rule should be at home that look at, I will accept any, any mistake, but one thing I will never accept is lying. You acknowledge you did X, Y, Z, A, B, C, A through Z. No problem. Just, just tell me. If you can't tell me now, tell me I can't speak about this now. That's fine, I'll take that too. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather not comment. I would rather stay silent. I plead the fifth. <laughs> right? right? So I'm not going to speak about it. That's okay. When you are ready, we'll talk about it. This is our relationship with our children should be. And our siblings and our spouse, of course, and all those things. But lying is something that is a cro- you cross in the red line. After that, done. I've got nothing to do with you. Because once you have broken my trust, breached that trust, I can't accept that anymore. I might say you should never forgive someone who's lying. No, as if he acknowledged and he says, I'm very sorry, I lied in these circumstances because this is what? 
okay, there's, alhamdulillah, the doors of Tawbah are always open. But it, 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 it obviously hurts that relationship. So do not force people to lie is what I'm trying to say. Especially when raising kids, give them that space. And do not choose them that it's death or lying. Because he'll choose lying. Right? So at that part, inshallah, if we, if we follow through, that will be very beneficial for us. So you have Yamin al Ghamus is the one that you cannot be forgiven from. Besides, the other Yameens, the other promises, yes, you can do kafara. I told you, feed 10 people, clothe 10 people. Wallahu mawlakum. Why, why can you do that? Because at the end of the day, Allah alone is your patron. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone is your patron. No one else is your patron besides Allah. And He set the rules. hakim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all of your needs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all of your needs. Al-Hakim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all wise when it comes to His injunctions. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in one hadith, مَن نَذَرَ أَن يُطِيعَ اللَّهَ فَلْيُطِعْهُ Whoever has made an oath, a oath that he will obey Allah, he should do so. وَمَن نَذَرَ أَن يَعْصِيَهُ And whoever made an oath that he will disobey Allah, like, wallahi, I'm not going to go talk to someone. فَلَا يَعْصِيهِ Then do not disobey Allah, just break that promise and pay for it and move on. Uh, many times, this continuous taking oaths is a sign of weak iman, usually because out of anger. So we need to be careful about our tongues. Behold, when the Prophet ﷺ confided a matter to one of his wives, asarra yusirru israr comes from the word sir, secret. To, when, you, when you share a secret, the Prophet ﷺ shared a secret with one, one of his wives. We know that was Hafsa more than likely. What was that secret? One was the story of Maria, I told you. The other very famous story is that the, uh, the Prophet ﷺ would spend a lot of time, we would spend time at different wives. And it's mentioned that he used to spend time at this house of Zainab bint Jahsh. So there was parties within the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. And Hafsa and Aisha were on one side. And they said, you know, he spends time there. And uh, you know, we need to try to s- reduce that. Or it was mentioned that maybe it was because Zainal would maybe send a gift when uh, Rasulullah was at Aisha's home so, or Hafsa's house. So that kind of upset the, the internal jealousy sparked up. So he said, We have to come up with a plan. How can we dissuade him from accepting gifts from Zainal or spending too much time? When he comes to our home, when he comes to your house in your turn, and when he comes to my home, to my turn, and let's try to recruit some other people as well, we'll just say, Ya Rasulullah. Uh, you know, the, uh, our dear husband, you know, what, what is it? There's, there's, I smell something. Really? So they would ask him, there was one, um, uh, you know, uh, type of plant which had a bad smell. So that they asked, Ya Rasulullah, did you use that, uh, you know, that plant or did you uh, eat from that? And the Prophet ﷺ would say, of course not. So then, he says, really? But that's how I smell. And then the Prophet ﷺ would go to the next wife's house and she would say the same thing. So then he said, no, I didn't eat anything. It's just that I had a honey from Zainab. Oh, well, guess what? Probably the honey that you're eating, the bees have taken the pollen from that plant. Because of which, now it has a, not only a, maybe a bitter taste or not, whatever, but the smell of that honey is now not so nice. Which was not the case. But it was just kind of a, you know, just making the story up. 
that there's a smell coming and it's probably because of that plant that you, the honey has been taken from. So the Prophet wasallam, what did he say? He said, okay, fine. Wallahi, I will not eat this honey anymore. Or I will not eat the honey from Zaynab or I will not eat the honey anymore. So which was halal. The Prophet wasallam made it haram upon himself. Why? Again, to please Hafsa radiallahu anha. And, uh, um, and to please, and then she went and told Aisha radiallahu anha. So this the same, same story happened. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa confided a matter to one of his wives. And then when she told another of the wives of it, فَلَمَّا نَبَّأَتْ بِهِ وَأَظْهَرَهُ اللَّهِ When she told, نَبَّأَتْ, when Hafsa for example, told one of the other wives of this secret. What is the secret? That wallahi, I'm not going to go close to Maria anymore. Or wallahi, I'm not going to have honey anymore. وَأَظْهَرَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ And Allah, أَظْهَرَ يُظْهِرُ إِظْهَارُ is to make apparent, acquaint. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this secret apparent to the Prophet ﷺ, that this wife of yours spoke to the other wife. The Prophet ﷺ made known part of it to her and avoided disclosing a part. What does that mean? When Rasulullah figured, obviously was informed through revelation that Hafsa did this, he called Hafsa. He says, what did you say to Aisha? Radiallahu anha. She obviously now figured out that Aisha could not have told him. He said, yeah, well, who told you? Allah told me. Well, he, Allah told him everything they had spoken about. But the Prophet ﷺ was so kind, was so generous, and was such a beautiful role model for us, that Allah clearly mentions that the Prophet ﷺ did not say everything he knew. He did not repeat. He could have repeated the entire conversation that Hafsa had with Aisha and every secret that she had shared. You understand? And the responses and all that. But why? They say, لا تحمروا أولاد الوجوه Don't make the faces red. Do not make people disgraced. Do not make people red-faced. Right? If you know, this is such a... This is in the Qur'an, man. This, is, this detail is in the Qur'an. Like from all the things Allah could have mentioned, He mentioned this specific detail that the Prophet ﷺ did not share everything that he knew about the incident. He turned away. He avoided disclosing a part of it. Why did he avoid it? Because he did not want to make Hafsa feel worse than she needed to. He did not want to, you know, make her feel that she's really like her allow her conscience to completely destroy her. Because she already felt bad. So much, mashallah, so much advice, so much khair we learn from this one small portion of this ayah. That when you find someone who's doing something wrong, correct him on that one point. Even though you have an entire dossier about them. But there's no point in saying all of it because that person, he will, he will lose his own self-esteem. He will lose any level of you know, his own personality if you just go at it and throw everything at him in one shot. Correct? If you have an issue at home, think about this between spouses. Some mistake your husband did or some mistake your wife did. It's such an important piece of advice for us. Such an important piece of advice. Whatever the issue is bothering you, just correct that. Why am I upset? X, Y, Z. Just one thing. Not even X, Y, Z. X, khalas. That's it. But we don't need to say any bisal se tum karte ho. Yeah, you know? For 20 years, that's all you've been doing. And you start from the day, from the day we got married, when we sat in the car from the hotel, it starts from there. Now how does that person feel? Every single time, 
subhanallah, we don't remember our namazes, but we remember the history of our own, of all the infractions of the spouse. Like, uh, even a historian can remember. Like, what is this? What encyclopedia, Wikipedia have we got up there on this? You know, and women are, mashallah, have great memories. You know about this. I think guys, we don't remember this stuff too well. But women, mashallah, they have great memories on these things. So, whether it's a man or a woman, regardless, let's not bring out all the old laundry because all it does is makes the person who feels already bad, you might make him rebellious and say, you know what, forget it. That's exactly what happens. I made one mistake, you're counting out 19 mistakes, tell I'm not going to even accept the one, I'm out. What are you going to do about it? In today's zamana, that's exactly what it is. There's no humility between spouses. There's no, okay, I'm very sorry. How often do the spouses say, I'm sorry nowadays? How often? You know, it's all about this Valentine's nonsense. But when it comes, when they talk about this, this fake Valentine, subhanAllah, multi-billion dollar industry. If there's Valentine and love was true, why do we have all this massive 50% divorce rate in this country? Right? The one you're lawfully married to, you hate. And then every other mistress you find out there, every other girl, every other nurse, every other secretary, every other cashier, Allah, is, is, is someone looks good to you. Same thing, the husband, lawfully wedded husband is there. But every other guy, every other student, every other what co-worker looks handsome and a Valentine. If this is not shaitaniyat, what is it? All our marriages are falling apart in the world, in the country here. Muslim and non-Muslim. But even in Pakistan and Saudi, unfortunately, unfortunately, they're celebrating. And across, I just named two countries, but all over the world, Valentine's has become a massive industry. We just have to follow. Whatever the kuffar do, we got to follow that. So this has nothing to do with our deen. Stay away from this nonsense. But the idea is, if you want to truly improve the marriage, then learn how to say, I'm sorry. And it's not about just, I love you on once a year uh, anniversary. Let's go fly here, let's go fly there. Anniversary. No, that's, you don't need to do that. If you want to do that, fine. More importantly, learn how to say, I'm sorry. That will make marriages much stronger. So when a person points out a mistake, the other person should just say, you're right, I'm sorry. But if they choose to point out another 50 mistakes, that person who wanted to say about sorry, you say, I am, and then you'll stop right there. Say, I'm not going to go further. Because what's the point? This guy is just after me. And he's going to make me say 50 times, I'm sorry. And then he'll say, you're not, you're not sincere. I've seen this. I've seen it. Literally, the person's apologizing, asking forgiveness. He says, no, you're not sincere. You're just faking it. Like, what? But what do you want, man? That's it. That's just all the shaitaniyat of today between the house spouses. That nothing, unfortunately, is, is acceptable. When, when that shaitan comes in, may Allah protect our marriages from that. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. So, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly points out here of how Rasulullah s.a.w. turned turn the other way. There's much, much can be said about this. If you know something about someone and you need to correct it, even a student or a musalli or whoever, just please don't share their secrets with everyone. Man katama sirran, right? Whoever, whoever, man satra awratan, whoever covers up his brother's fault, Allah will cover up his faults on the day of judgment. And whoever does tatabbu, if you go searching, searching over the, for the faults of your fellow brother, tatabba Allah auratu, Allah will come after searching your faults. And then if Allah comes hadith, if Allah comes after you, then Allah will disgrace him even if you means you're sitting in the safety and the comfort of your home. You won't be able to walk out of the house because your secrets of the home will the whole world will know. Meaning, do not take a, don't put a Muslim under your scope, in your target. People say, okay, that's it, I'm after you, just watch. I'm gonna stare at this person, I have a vendetta. If he slips, he flies, you know, he, he, he does anything, we're gonna make a big fuss about it. Unfortunately, that's happening in the community, all around us, all around us. Especially between 
you know, uh, what you call divorcing spouses, especially between people who are, whose marriages are falling apart. That's their job. Every single little thing, they go to the lawyer, they go to the cops, they go to the newspaper, they go to the judge, they go whatnot. Astaghfirullah. Right? They do all kinds of, all sorts of traumatic stories are coming to my mind, but I'm not going to share those right now. But you know, as of all the different cases I've dealt with, where this is, this. a person says, I'm just going to, I'm after you. And if you go after someone, the hadith says, Allah will come after you. And if he comes after you, you're not going to escape. Even if you're in the comfort of your home, Allah has, of course, He's got all the dirt, right? I got dirt on you. You can't have more. You cannot have more dirt on me than Allah has dirt on you. Is that right? Yeah, Allah, what, He knows everything. Allah knows what's the hidden secret. And what's more hidden than the secret? So let's not mess with each other, brothers. Because we don't want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala against us. She simply asked him, Ya Rasulullah, who disclosed of all this that I had spoken to Aisha about? He said, the one who is all-knowing, all-aware, has informed me. Right? I don't need to hear from you. I heard it directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Uh, we'll end uh, at this ayah. Some quick reasons. Why do people share secrets? What are the reasons? Right? One of the reasons that a person shares a secret is... Okay, hold on. Before I talk about sharing a secret, we learn from here is that one should share some secrets with his spouse. And one should share some secret with her spouse. Because this is a means of creating love between the two. You share a secret with someone who you trust. And you're telling them something that you don't tell others. It makes them feel that this person trusts me and loves me. If a person has an attitude that, no, I'm never going to share anything private with my spouse, then that relationship is, you know, on edge. You should not f- create a, a relationship with a spouse of ajnabiyya that we're strangers. We just happen to live in the same house, but that's about it. No. Now, what type of secrets? All the faults and flaws of other people? Absolutely not. There's no... That, this is the stuff. No one talks about their personal secrets to their spouse. We're talking about... Did you hear what she did? Did you hear what he said? All the ghiba and the backbiting, the gossip of other people's homes, we say juicy stuff. The wife wants to tell the husband. Husband wants to tell the wife. That's all haram. Why are you sharing other people's secrets? You follow what I'm saying? Like as an imam, I, have, I know so many things about so many people. But if you share with me, there's not permissible at all for me to go share with my spouse. Which is the real story I'm saying. There's so many things I know. And uh, my parents cannot know that. My spouse cannot know that. My kids cannot know that. That's exactly between me and that individual. So those are not things that I can go share with her home. But, but there are other things in my life. In order to build that trust, a person should share things. You can choose what you want to share. A statement of Ali radiallahu anhu. Love your beloved with moderation, lest one day they become your enemy. And hate your enemy with moderation, lest they end up becoming your friend one day. Amazing advice. Meaning, in the process of loving someone, don't go to such extents that Allah forbid one day they turn against you. They know every single inch about your life. And they can use that to completely manipulate you. 
Naturally, between husband and wife, there is a lots of secrets that are already shared and must be shared, which a spouse who is under the influence of shaitan and her own nafs or his own nafs can definitely manipulate and cause a lot of harm. But okay, whatever it is, it is. But don't overdo it. Don't say so much that now literally you can't you can even, even own a pant, can't own a shirt because every single thing is in the hands of the spouse. You've, de- 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 you've shared every single aspect of your life, A to Z, from you know, everything. You don't want to do that. What if they turn against you? Similarly, if you don't like someone, okay, in moderation. Do not burn your bridges to the extent that one day you're forced to work on a project together. One day you both have an opportunity that if you, only you two, if you were to invest or work together, you all both will make millions. But you all, each one has something that the other needs. You have to work with each other. Now what you're going to do, you've said so many bad things about that person. Over, you hurt them so bad. It's just very hard now to come back together. Don't do that. Even if you have to hate someone or dislike someone, do it in moderation. Beautiful advice of Ali radiallahu anhu. So going back to the ideas that earning the trust of a spouse is important. And that is through secrets. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi said this to her. Because you're sharing this that you are one person in the world, I'm not going to share this with anyone else. And it makes them, gives them a very special feeling. So what are the reason that some people, you know, uh, uh, open up the secrets, even tell them not to do so? One is that that person may want to show others that, you know what, I'm very special. I'm more special than you. I, for example, it could have happened that Hafsa Radana wanted to say that I am the closest to him. He not only made something haram, but he also shared a secret with me. Got it? So, this is the main, one main reason that people share secrets because they want to show others, it's a show off thing, that I have a status with that person that no one else has. Number two, it's possibly to simply make other people angry. Ah, right? You don't know this. I have a secret. I know this. He never told you that. It's to create anger within. Jealousy. Create jealousy with other people. Number three is to, to hit back against and harm the person who shared the secret himself. To let people know his true or her true colors. Let me go tell everyone. Number four is that you share the secret with someone because you want to get some benefit from them. Which is very, like, very obvious, spies and all that. right? Moles and you know, double agents and all that. What is that? Like where are you, wherever I'm going to try to get some material benefit. So I'm going to share a secret. So a person needs to understand that these are the things that cause a person to do that and we have to be careful. The Prophet ﷺ said in one hadith, Al-Majalisu bil-Amana Whatever is spoken in a gathering, it's a trust. So if I call two people, the ulama say this, if I call three people from this crowd, three people come over here. We sit in a corner, in the corner here and talk. And then it is not necessary for me to say, Shh, don't tell this to anyone. The fact that I called you out of a crowd to speak to you, itself is a sign that what I'm sharing with you is only for your ears. If we call yourself in a closed room and we have a meeting, you cannot go and share with the world what happened in that board meeting or what happened in that closed door to people. Similarly, if someone confides in you that he's, Allah forbid, going to take his life or he's going to harm himself, then you need to inform his parents or inform someone who can assist him you know that's, that's another thing I want to share this with all of you here today we have the idea of oh I don't want to I don't want to be a snitch someone shared with me or I came to know about it you have to subhanallah don't be don't be more yani, don't try to act over pious right this whole thing but you got to look at the whole picture by you not sharing the knowledge of what he just said or what she's involved in or he's involved in are you actually benefiting him or harming him in the akhirah and in this dunya 
Right now, he's still young. I tell this to students. I said, you know, Suhala, if you get caught doing something, and when you're in first year, or summer, or whatever, honestly, you should feel yourself so lucky. Because the people who are the biggest criminals out there today, the reason they're the criminals are more than likely... Like I just told you the guy who lied, right? His marriage fell apart, his business fell apart, everything. Why? Because he didn't get caught when he was young. Those who get caught early on, they're the blessed ones. That means Allah wants good for them. That's why they got caught early. And so that they can repent. Instead of them getting this habit. So if someone confides with you in something, then even if you don't speak to the parents or older sibling, if you can handle it, you have the credentials to be able to address his or her issue, go ahead and do it. But if you don't, then at least seek help. You don't have to um, identify that person. You can say, I have a case. You know, people come to say, I have a case. I'm like, most of the time it's a guy himself, you know. He says, I have a case. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. But if you don't even know it's the guy himself, we just talked about the hadith. Don't make his face red. If he's trying to cover himself up, why expose him, right? Say, oh, really? And if that's why it's mentioned about a lady in, in Sham. She came to the mahkamah, to the, uh, to the court. Old lady, she was climbing up the stairs and to enter the chamber. And subhanAllah, she broke her wudu, right? So she came to sit. Now, what happens? She obviously felt absolutely, absolutely uh, ashamed. In, you know, this happened in public. So when she came to sit down, the Qadi said, what's your name? And so she said her name. And the Qadi said, what? I cannot hear. He had heard what happened before. So he said, why can't I? She repeated her name. He said, I cannot hear. Speak louder. I cannot hear. He kept on doing it just simply to give her this feeling that what had transpired a minute ago, the Qadi had not heard. Right? Because it would lead to her becoming feeling so disgraced and feeling so embarrassed. This is the akhlaq of our deen. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa one day was sitting uh, with his sahaba and someone broke the wudu. There was a smell that was there. The Prophet ﷺ did not want to call out to someone to say, go, go fresh in your wudu. And we have to pray. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever ate camel meat needs to go do wudu. He said, Ya Rasulullah, we all ate camel meat. He said, yes, all of you go do wudu. <laughs> right? All of you go do wudu. And this happened in the time of Umar anhu as well. That he one time, same similar incident. Someone broke the wudu. Umar anhu said, whoever you know, needs to refresh the wudu, go ahead and do it. You could be the Khalifa. You could be the person who Rasulullah Sallallahu said, if there's any prophet after me, it'd be Umar. But guess what? We're not prophets. So mistakes can happen. If someone may have a better opinion than you, even if you are, Umar anhu. So a companion said, Ya Umar, Ya Amin al-Mu'mineen, I think we should all stand up and do wudu. He said, okay, yes. Right? Let's us all stand up. To simply cover up uh, the, uh, the embarrassment of one Sahabi sitting there. This is how our Ummah is. Our Ummah is supposed to be honestly trying to cover each other's faults. These type of faults. But if a mistake is made, then this is not the time to cover it. Because the guy needs help. By you not sharing with those who can help him the need he has, you are harming that person. I remember one incident where someone left the fold of Islam. And she was messaging on a bunch of WhatsApp groups about how she left the fold of Islam. Etc. And it was going around in the community. And no one came and was actually addressing it with her parents. Eventually came to me. I said, have you all addressed this? I said, no, it's, but we feel shy. We feel shy. You feel shy, but it's being passed around, forwarded all these messages of, a, of this girl leaving fold of Islam and all her text messages, private text messages to a WhatsApp group are being shared all over. Her mom and dad don't know. The world knows it. I asked, I, said, I was so upset. I said, if this happened to your daughter or son, may Allah forgive and forbid. Is this what you want? The whole community speaking about it and you don't know? 
Do to others what you want others to do for you. You care about your kids. Wouldn't you want people to come share with you about your children if they're in trouble? Well, do the same thing for other people's children. If you know they are in trouble, don't just say, oh, forget it. It's none of my business. Astaghfirullah. This is not being part of the Ummah of Rasulullah. This is not Ummah Pana. This, this is not what you call unity of the hearts. Do not expose in front of people. Don't talk to people unnecessarily. And do not expose more than necessary. But through ishara, through allude it that there's a problem. You know what? You need to just take care of your son. You need to take care of your daughter, etc. That type of empathy and sympathy is required. And that's necessary uh, for being part of the Ummah of Rasulullah May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all understanding. We will, uh, يعني, mashallah, there's a lot more other points to cover. Uh, even on these three ayats. And I will, uh, through your dua, try to cover them next week. If you have any questions, please go to slido.com. Uh, we have our uh, numbers here. I don't know. Who's here? Four zero eight And then a couple announcements. If, uh, if you, you, I'm sure today you got the message, text message for the tafsir. If you did not... Uh, if you did not get it, um, please scan this. Please scan this, and inshallah, you'll get a tafsir. You will you'll get a reminder for the tafsirs. Plus, if you did not get the events group, um, if you do not get all the flyers for the events group, then please also scan the uh, events group WhatsApp. Um, few, alhamdulillah programs that I want to talk about. This Saturday is a very unique program. I request and humbly uh, ask all of you inshallah to please um, join us this Saturday, all of you, men, women, uh, brothers and sisters, Saturday Maghrib to Sunday Maghrib. This is one day, Sunnah, we call it our annual no-tech retreat. We leave our technology, leave our cell phones. You know, we have two, three big enemies, the nafs, the shaitan, and the cell phone. Right? Nafs, shaitan, and cell phone. So this is an opportunity for us to run away from this sh- enemy and stay in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, detoxed. I'm asking all of you, inshallah, to please use this opportunity. I haven't, we, this is, how often have you heard, seen a masjid program like this? I travel all around. I don't see this. It's a very unique program we're having at the masjid. We've been doing it for the past two years. This is our third year doing it. So this is something I encourage the brothers and sisters who are listening online and those who are here. Please make Nia to join us. Uh, why it's Maghrib? Because the Atikaf starts at Maghrib. Whenever you want to do enough Atikaf, you do Maghrib to Maghrib. So to, and we'll be fasting. So dinner will be served on Friday and Saturday night. And then Sunday, Fajr, we'll have, before Fajr, of course, we'll have Suhoor. And then Sunday, Maghrib, after Maghrib, we'll have Iftar and dinner. Uh, we have Sheikh Zakaria Patel joining us from Toronto, Imam al Masjid Taqwa. And he will be discussing uh, many beautiful topics, including um, introduction to Tasawwuf, introduction to um, uh, spiritual rectification. He will be speaking about a lot of, uh, hopefully, inshallah, addressing a lot of the misconceptions about this whole science. We'll also have a practical wudu workshop using the same amount of water that the Prophet used, uh, having, a, uh, ha- having a practical salah demonstration, having a practical dhikr and, and dua demonstration, meaning speaking about um, how did the Prophet do the dhikr and then let's get an opportunity to do it. How did the Prophet um, recite Quran with tadabbur, right? And how did he reflect on it? And let's go read Quran for 20 minutes in that manner. So Alhamdulillah, this is a very hands-on workshop that will many workshops that will be taking place. Sisters will have their also separate sisters 
uh, um, section in which um, they will have the Yaqub just come up can I have someone please handle the questions huh huh Okay, yeah, and okay. So this question, this unfortunately, this slide has not been updated. And so this is the wrong dates on here. Um, I know been been pointed out to me before as well. Uh, but all the other flyers are, are correct. So this is February 17 to 18. February 17 and 18, Saturday to Sunday. 17 to 18, inshallah. Please make make a note of that. 17 to 18. So this Saturday to Sunday is. Um, um, the the program. So I was saying the schedule. Uh, Yaqub inshallah will share it on the WhatsApp group. Hopefully today uh, or tomorrow. The schedule for um, our entire event, and you can see it. Uh, maybe it was already shared. I'm not exactly sure, but you'll find it there. We'll have starting program from Maghrib all the way till Maghrib. Uh, workshops. We'll have Tahajjud. We'll have Qiyamul Layl um, and uh, other beautiful things. And then the sisters have their parallel sessions as well. So I want to see a show of hands inshallah. How many of you are planning to join us? A show of hands. Raise your hand. Hi. How many of you are planning to do i'tikaf? Raise your hand. You're planning to do i'tikaf. You can actually stay here for 24 hours. Okay? So if you, didn't, if you did not make register, please do it now. Because I'm looking at the meal numbers. We have to order meals appropriately for iftar dinner. This there definitely doesn't reflect that. So if you're listening to me and if you're doing i'tikaf, we're not going to have... Where are you going to find suhoor and iftar, right? It's going to be served here. We don't want you to... You cannot leave the masjid. It's going to be served here. So if you're planning to come here, I have to have you register. So that we can make proper arrangements for... Suhoor and iftar, inshallah. And then, inshallah, our 15th night of Sha'ban program will happen Saturday, February 24th. Laylatul Nisman of Sha'ban. Uh, this is our road to Ramadan series. Um, this coming Friday, we'll have our third session from the five sessions pre Ramadan. It's called Psychology of Ramadan Renewal, Change and Transformation. Maulana Munsif Mubarak is a scholar, alim, as well as a psychologist visiting us from Toronto. So um, please join us this Friday after Salatul Aisha. So we have great programs this weekend. Uh, Sheikh Zakaria Patel will be joining us for Thursday night Salawat. He'll be giving a talk plus a Salawat. Then inshallah Friday night, him and Marana Munsif will be doing the psychology of Ramadan. Then once again Saturday morning, he'll be here for the Team Fajr program. And then last, he'll be here for the Artikaf as well. Okay, if you miss Fajr, do you have to make up two rakat sunnah? If you, if you, make, up the, you make up the two rakat sunnah um, till you are before Dhuhr Salah. If you, Allah forbid, miss the Fajr Salah and you are not able to make it until after Dhuhr, then in that case, only Fard Salah. Okay, what to do if a young child is lying? Uh, so this is something that needs to be uh, spoken about. A person needs to uh, address this, explain to them the absolute harms of it. And uh, very physically, like, you know, not, obviously hitting doesn't help. But go through the hadith, like, for, for example, Riyadh Salihin. Just through the chapter of lying, right? This beautiful book that we read from every day after Salat al-Isha, um, Downpour of Blessings. That's a great book to read from as well. They have a whole chapter on that as well. Going through the etiquettes 
and the bad character and the good character. People simply do not realize how big of an issue it is. And I know people who are in their late 20s, etc. They say, you know, we're addicted. We realize it's bad. So it's an addiction. Like any other drug, this is a bad habits. It's a very bad addiction. We need to hit it early on. What is the correct approach when covering someone's faults or your own past sins, but also avoid lying? The correct step is the person should, should simply say, I'd rather not speak about this. Um, uh, you know, I'd rather not speak about this issue, or I'd rather um, uh, not, not share this. And that's about it. And no one should, be, no one should force you for that. Um, how to deal with people who make it open that they're close to other people and know their secrets? That they're trying to get attention, honestly. That's all they're trying to do. So those people, they're dying for attention, and you need to, you know, depending who the person is, maybe explain to them that you know we can give you attention without that. You don't have to keep on mentioning this again and again. Like today, everyone, what's what's a what's a, like a pictures with famous people, right? What is that? Or put put a, a, a portrait with someone with a famous person, or put that as a profile. It's, it's simply because I don't have my own self-worth So I have to show you that I stand with someone Who I think has self-worth So hopefully then you give me respect as well So it's a sign of a serious inferiority complex You should stand on your own two feet You should stand on your own actions You should stand on your own character You don't need to be propped up by a celebrity You don't need to be propped up by some famous person I will only answer things that you know are relevant. A lot of things are just honestly a deal. If a person wants to ask any question and you want to learn, then definitely you can come and ask privately. And you can also um, send your istifta or ask question to masjidds.org. Um, question, forward slash question. Okay, if a person curses, makes a raises your hand, raises the hand and makes dua against you, what happens? Well, if you don't deserve it, that dua goes right back onto them. And just because someone cursed you doesn't actually mean, you know, it will be accepted. Should we speak against something um, that is not right, or should we leave it for the larger and more knowledgeable scholars? If you have the capacity to correct it in your own home, then correct it in your own community, in your own immediate vicinity, correct it. But if it's a larger scale thing that is it's an international issue and you don't have much say in it, then at least feel guilty about it in your heart. And suffering, why, does Allah, why do we suffer when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us most merciful? There are many beautiful talks on this you'll find. Uh, just search for this, you know, from different reputable ulama. Many of, we had right after um, COVID ended, or COVID was ending that April, what was that, 2021? I think so, uh, probably 2021. We had a whole uh, retreat, a three day retreat on trials and tribulations, which was amazing. You can find all the talks online. Very nice. The entire retreat was dedicated to the, like, the, 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 the whole the secrets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Beyond, behind, um, you know, going through through difficulty, and just simple. Remember that the ones who went through the most difficulty are the prophets, even though they are the most beloved of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Yet they were the ones who went through the most difficulty. So this is something to uh, keep in mind. 
is allowed to investigate Muslim-owned restaurants, like checking the meat supply and telling everyone, don't go there. <laughs> the thing is, if someone says they're halal and they're serving, then that's a very big statement. And if someone actually, Allah forbid, Allah forbid, is lying about it, then that, that's something that it should be well known. Yeah. So um, that, that is something that a person can Don't go tell people and to go first to the owner, business owner And say, you don't have, if you're selling haram, that's up to you But please do not say something is halal, then sell haram And we have unfortunately too many incidents of that happening There was a, in the winter intensive We had a, the final, final session on it was on this topic, if you were there Okay, we'll end with that inshallah The rest of the questions inshallah we'll cover next week Come close together. We'll do a few minutes of dhikr. We have, alhamdulillah, uh, talking about marriage and expectations of marriage, someone, you know, and sharing secrets and whatnot. There's, this is a must. Every single person who you know is getting married, please get them. Who's been recently married, get them. And those who want to have their marriage as though they're remarried again, fresh marriage. This is a book I recommend every single person to read and read it together at home. Instead of you try to lecture at home, it's not going to work. Let the book lecture me and lecture her, right? Type of thing. This book is called Healthy Muslim Marriage by Mufti Abdurrahman ibn Yusuf Mangera. He's actually taught this book, portion of it, in our winter intensive many years back as well. Really, really nice. That winter intensive, I remember he spoke about it very openly. I'm sure you'll find recordings of him teaching this book online as well. So healthy Muslim marriage is something I would suggest if this year, as, as this week, you know, as we, we introduce different books every week from our uh, from the Arslan bookstore because we get new, new kitabs, alhamdulillah, every week. And then we have the book called Kuttabun Nabi, The Scribes of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Right, this is written by Shaykh Mustafa, Dr. Mustafa Aadami, one of the great muhaddithun, great scholars of hadith, alhamdulillah. And so this is about who are the people who wrote the wahi? Who are the people who sat next to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and were the very first ones who were blessed to be listening to the Qur'an straight from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they were the first ones who, who, who wrote it down. So learning about their uh, lives and their biographies. And last one is a uh, book on our mother Khadija radiallahu anha. But this is a beautiful children's book with uh, illustrations as well. Nice, um, beautiful illustrations as well. And it's called Story Islam's First Lady. The Prophet Muhammad said, She had faith in me when people rejected me. She believed in me when people disbelieved me. She supported me with her wealth when, when they prevented me. And Allah blessed me with children through her and not through any other wife. So this is Khadija radiallahu anha, the story Islam's first lady by Fatima Barakatullah. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 
محمد الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه اللهم انت السلام انك السلام وبارك على الجلال والاكرام اللهم الحمد لله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لعنا وصحبه لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار اللهم ربنا افرغ علينا صبرا وتوفنا مسلمين اللهم ربنا لا تجعلنا فتنه للقوم الظالمين ونجينا برحمتك من القوم الكافرين اللهم اصلح لنا ديننا الذي وعصمه امرنا واصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا واصلح لنا اخرتنا التي فيها معادنا واجعل الحياه زياده لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحه لنا من كل شر Oh Allah, we ask you to accept this gathering. Oh Allah, whatever khair and good was shared was indeed from you. Ya Allah, allow all of us to put the good into practice. Oh Allah, allow us to stay away from all the evil that was shared. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to grant us tawfiq to be able to implement whatever we hear and whatever we share. Oh Allah, we ask you to make it easy for us to follow the deen. Make it easy for us to follow the deen. Make it easy for our children and our spouses to follow the deen. Oh Allah, allow the environment of our home and our character at home to reflect the character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, oh Allah, bring mahabba and love between 
every member of our home. O Allah, bring peace and unity within the home. O Allah, remove discord and hatred from the home. O Allah, bring sunnah within our home. Bring sunnah within our home. O Allah, make all of us amongst those who search and seek out the truth and follow it wherever it may be, Allah. O oh Allah, save us from falling into misguidance. Save us from falling into any type of innovation. O oh Allah, save us from being misled by, by, by any misled person, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the door, open up the doors of halal risk and open up the doors of any and all ya Allah, halal things that are available for us and close the doors of any and all haram out there, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, from haram, seeing haram, listening to haram, thinking of haram, walking towards haram, Ya Allah, holding haram, consuming haram, Ya Allah, eating haram, Ya Allah, earning haram, spending haram. O oh Allah, close the doors of haram. Haram, ya Allah. Allah, one of our Ya Allah, one of our members of our community and one of the Ya Allah sisters who are in the administration of, of the of the madrasa. Oh Allah, her mother is extremely, extremely ill. O Allah, we ask Ya Allah if Shifa is written for her, O Allah grant her complete, complete Shifa ajila. Such Shifa, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, that there's no sickness after that. And O Allah, oh, in this age, Ya Allah, if, if Shifa is not written for her, O Allah, we ask Ya Allah to make then Ya Allah, Ya Allah, her departure to the Akhirah extremely easy, Allah. O Allah, we ask you to grant her Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya much a, a, a beautiful Ya Allah, a beautiful place in Akhirah, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, all the good that she has done and she is doing now, Ya Allah, and whatever whatever state she is in, Ya Allah, oh Allah, we ask it all, accept that. And whatever good her siblings, her children, her grandchildren, great-grandchildren may have done or are doing, oh Allah, allow her to benefit from that. Oh Allah, all those who are in our community who are sick, oh Allah, who are struggling with chronic illnesses, oh Allah, critical illnesses, we ask you to, Ya Allah, if shifa is meant for them, grant them all shifa. Grant them all shifa. Oh Allah, and grant them patience in this difficulty. Grant them, Ya Allah, ability to be able to handle their pain. Ya Allah, and make this suffering or the sickness, oh Allah, a means of complete, complete, complete forgiveness for them, Ya Allah. And oh Allah, if shifa is not meant for them, then allow their departure to become easy from this world, and allow the place where they're going to be much, much better, far superior than any type of any type of arrangements that this world could have been provided them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all the good that the Prophet ﷺ had asked you of. We seek refuge in you from all that the evil that the Prophet ﷺ had sought refuge in you from. Oh Allah, allow this no tech retreat of this weekend to become a means of hidayah for ourselves and thousands of other people. Allow it to become a means of all of us, Ya Allah, realizing and recognizing the toxins in our life, Ya Allah, and the bad things that are affecting our life, Ya Allah, especially all that is that is connected to our phones, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, make this weekend a means of us, Ya Allah, finding a barrier between ourselves and our an, an over-excessive usage of, of, of the cell phones, Ya Allah, and the internet, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow this weekend to become a means of preparing for Ramadan, Ya Allah. Put lots of barakah in, in Sha'ban, and allow us to welcome Ramadan and allow us to make the most use of Ramadan, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, please allow Sha'ban and Ramadan to become extremely beneficial and fruitful for all of us, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, reward all those who are who are who have who have helped and are helping in any way, shape, or form the madrasa, the masjid, all our volunteers, our musallis, our patrons, our well wishers, oh Allah, our teachers, our staff, and their families. Oh Allah, grant all of them protection, protection, protection for their iman, protection for their homes, protection for their health and wealth, protection of their children, oh Allah, protection of their marriages, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, whatever khair Rasulullah had asked you of, grant us that khair. Whatever evil the Prophet had sought refuge in you from, grant us refuge in, in that. From that, Subhana Rabbi Rabbi Al-Izzat, Ya Masifun, wa Salamun Al-Mursaleen, Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.